I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest says that he's developed a deep faith in the challenging moments and uses his past challenges as confidence to keep going with intentionality. Rob Eiler is a Christian father and business leader who loves to improve the status quo by leading teams of dedicated people to service above self. Currently serving as the CEO and founder of Capturely, Rob is focused on helping businesses grow with on-demand professional photography and video services. Throughout his 20-year career, Rob has owned and sold multiple businesses in the healthcare and education space, notably scaling a family business to over $100 million in annual revenue. Experience has taught Rob to put people over everything, respect process, begin with the end in mind, and if it isn't measured, then it doesn't grow. Rob has a Bachelor of Science in Finance from IU Kelly School of Business and his MBA from the University of Notre Dame. During our conversation today, Rob will share three pivotal moments in his career that all have led to his leading with what he calls a be-do-have mentality. Who you are drives what you do, ultimately determining what you have. Listen in to see how this mentality plays out through his story. I grew up as a son of an entrepreneur, and my father was the son of an entrepreneur. So, you know, starting your own business runs deep within my family and heritage. And so it was always something that as a child I idolized in terms of doing that would be such a a cool thing, right, to follow in my father's footsteps. So that's what's led me to the uh, the moment today where I'm I'm still kind of following in that footsteps and, you know, I've, I've taken the leap of faith to start my own businesses and and go out there and do it. That's great. And when, I know when you reflect on your career, there are some pivotal moments that have really highlighted for you the importance of faith in the bad times. Tell us about those. So I definitely idolized and thought, man, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I want to be like my father and I want to, you know, build a business just like he did. But one of the first pivotal moments that I faced was uh, my mother's death. So my mother passed away at 56, which was quite young. She had breast cancer. So I was uh, 26 years old. And when I went through it, um, I was an executive um, at our at our company um, and had was experiencing a lot of success. But what happened was like reflecting on that whole process made me kind of introspectively look because obviously when you lose a parent, it's, it's a, it, it can be a very traumatic experience. And, and it certainly was for me, but it made me it made me look at myself and kind of saying, well, I, I want to be like this. Right. And I'm idolizing this. But my mother was always deeply rooted in her faith. And she she definitely, you know, she took us. My parents were divorced. She took us to church every other weekend. You know, she she sent me to Bible uh, study. She made sure I went to cathedral um, high school. And so she always did these things to make sure that that God was a center figure in my life. But I had other plans like I was I was going to build businesses and I was going to you know rise to the top and be an executive. And so in losing her at such a, a young age, it made me reevaluate my whole identity because in that moment and being with her throughout like hospice and, and that can be a very traumatic environment, it made me kind of see what really mattered in life. And at 25, I didn't, 
I, I definitely didn't know prior to losing my mother. And so I would say immediately reflecting upon, you know, my life, that was definitely one of the biggest changes for me because it started the journey of me changing kind of my personal identity from, you know, what I have or what I do to the kind of person that I should be. Because my mother, she was never, she was never flashy. That wasn't her thing. She was a nurse. And she literally throughout, even when she was sick, she said, oh, I love my my weeby patients, you know, little bitty patients, you know, and, uh, uh, and I'm, and she, she said, I, I'm just going to work myself from the bedside to the bed. Like I love my patients. And she actually worked up until about a month before she passed away. So just seeing that level of service and commitment, and she wasn't doing it for the, 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 the $27 an hour or $30 an hour that she was making as a registered nurse. So it was, it was truly inspiring. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss, but it sounds like, such a reflective time. I mean, and going through that at 25, 26 years old, when it's a time of new beginnings anyways, like as you look back now, like what, what are the, the two to three attributes that you really took from that experience that have helped to shape your leadership? The first attribute that I took was honesty. And not that I've never, I, I would never say that I haven't considered myself an honest person, but when you, when I look at my mother's life and I looked at, you know, Hey, I want to get ahead in business. It's so easy to like cut corners. I, I think a lot of times you'll see integrity on everybody's, you know, core values of their website, but it, it truly is like experiencing what that integrity looks like and following. And so I would definitely say that for me, that would be probably one of the biggest pieces of my life was, Hey, it's, 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 you know, it's not worth making yourself look better or embellishing. And so, you know, and people can lose integrity over the smallest little, you know, what I'll call white lies. Right. And, and so, and, and being somebody that wanted to make myself, you know, as, as a young man, like, oh, he's, he's really a mover and shaker. Um, it made me reflect and look back and say, Hey, look, you know, you got to be a little bit more accurate with your characterizations and not take more credit than truly what you're doing and let others, you know, sing your praises. So I, that's, that's what I would, that's how I would answer that. So yeah, I like how you called it experience integrity. And, and it sounds like you really personalized integrity, your example of just being more accurate with your characterizations. Well, and so, so you, you, you referenced yourself as a mover and shaker in there. So I know at some point, you, you know, you, you talked about how from early age, you had this entrepreneurial bug. And so another pivotal moment for you, no doubt building off of this experience that you had such, such an early time in your career, was starting your own business. How did that evolve? Well, it's actually a really interesting story. So it evolved like this. I, I was experiencing a lot of success with my father's company. We were at about $100 million in annual revenue. I was our chief uh, revenue officer, senior vice president of sales. So I was, I was over uh, our sales division. We had around 300 people in it. Um, and when I started at the company, we had nine. So there was a lot of triumph in getting to that level. And it was interesting, though, that my, my mother's death kind of happened, you know, during the uh, a, a, a high period of growth. So it was kind of like that, you know, internal wiring change that led me to say, okay, right, so I, I have to take this business acumen and I have to use it for good. And so that's actually what prompted me to go to Notre Dame. My mother always said, hey, 
you know, going to Notre Dame would, you know, be amazing. And when I interviewed and looked at their program, I saw how they really put a lot of ethics in behind uh, just the business didactic. And so at Notre Dame, that part of that was the leadership training that we went through. And a big piece of it is fear and, and learning how to not be afraid and how to truly look at like what you want to do in your life. Because if using that, you, you kind of looking at yourself in a mirror and introspectively understanding, hey, there's so many people right now, Andrea, that want to start a business or that have a dream, but they have something else that they have. So, you know, I use the analogy, like if you want to catch a monkey, you just drill a hole in a tree, put some seeds in it, and then it will go and it will reach for the seeds. And once it gets them, it won't let go. So all you have to do is walk up, grab the monkey. Because the, the, you know, and so I didn't want to be, and it made me look at it like I didn't want to look at my life where I was, I, I, I had something in my hand, but I wasn't willing to let go for something that I kind of felt spiritually called for. And so I also, as part of the process, how I decided to, what business I wanted to get in, which is really the question I'm, I'm answering here, I'm, I'm, I'm leading towards is due to a personal health, like kind of crisis I had. So I was on 10 prescription medications. I was over 300 pounds. Um, I, I was very heavy. I was 30 years old. And, you know, I, I was having trouble playing with my son and energy and, and all of that that comes from obesity. And so I had a good friend who was a, a chiropractor. And he said, hey, Rob, while you're out on the West Coast, why don't you come hang out with me for a few days in Costa Mesa and come to this uh, event. It's a bunch of alternative wellness medical doctors and, you know, we'll hang out. And he was a buddy from college. So I thought, oh, that'll be fun. Let's, you know, let me fly out there. I'll be in Vegas. So I'll head out and go to this event with you. So I sat through an event. It was like a series of TED Talks for the entire day. It's like every 25 minutes, there was this really impactful corporate wellness speaker. It's called Cal Jam was the event. And speaker after speaker after speaker, I, I, I just, it made me look at health completely differently. So I was an executive at a company and I thought, oh, I, you know, just like anything else, you know, I, I treated my health as something that I could medicate out of. I could buy my way out of. I could have a surgery and lose weight. I could do all these things. But in listening to these very, very impactful, you know, doctors, it made me realize that I couldn't medicate out of what I behaved into. And so I started following doctors like Dr. Greger, who, you know, did a lot of work with, you know, Google's corporate wellness program and, and. Uh, Dr. Wolfson, like the paleocardiologist, and just a, a bunch of different individuals that made me start to look differently at my life. And so I started to treat my health differently. And as a result, I started to lose a lot of weight and my energy level came back. And it just was a big transformation in life. And one of the things he he hinted out when I was there is he said, hey, you know, and he knew, obviously, I had the entrepreneurial bug. He said, hey, why don't we you know, I have a really successful practice. Why don't we like duplicate scale this? And, and then you know, you're in education, we can put together the right training programs to get uh, new doctors up to speed in a new office. He goes, when we come out of, of chiropractic school, we don't have a blueprint for a business plan. And, you know, and he's like, we could really do some good here. And, and I thought, you know, I was feeling really good, obviously, with the transformation. But I didn't, I, I couldn't also just say, all right, guys, at, at my family's business, I'm out of here. Like that, that wasn't the kind of person I was anyways. And so over the course of, of uh, about a year and a half, I made the transition, I made the decision and then started to make the transition. So it was, it was a smooth transition and I was able to, to walk out and not burn any bridges with my family and, 
you know, maintain and, and even improve the relationship that I have with my father to this day. Yeah. So you definitely took some time because you wanted to do a, this transition in the right way. It was also something you were really passionate about because you'd have this personal transformation. So it feels like the everything was aligning there. What did you learn through that process about your leadership? One of the biggest things that I learned is how important your team is. So when you go out and, and start your own business, it's usually a team of one or two or three, right? It's it's not, it's unless you you have a significant investment, uh, and and I invested in myself, so I had taken my own resources to do this. I scaled organically with my own savings, and and so I I, I quickly learned what it was like to be without resources or limited resources, right? And to be very prudent with them, but it, it is you know, it is like, wow, you're like doing the marketing and you're getting into your AdWords account and you're writing ads and you're, you know, and, and you're in the back end of the business and you're going and selling customers and you're developing strategic partnerships. And so it was a lot more than just management. It was having to do kind of everything and manage and, and then learning how if you when you start putting people over everything, you you build relationships with people that even if they're not the best marketer in the world or they're not the best whatever role that they are, it, just because maybe their experience or the, the inexperience hasn't led them to that level that you that I was accustomed to working with, right? I was I was accustomed to working with people that were were very sharp in in their particular area. Um, it allowed me to understand like that relationship was ten times more important than how sophisticated an individual was at a particular skill. Because you you can't really grow businesses by yourself. And I exhausted myself doing it. I literally lived in Indianapolis and I would drive at like four in the morning to Wisconsin every Monday. And then I and I had an apartment there. And then I would come home at Thursday night at like 7 p.m. I would drive home and I would get home at like midnight. And I would be home on Friday, Saturday and Sunday to be with my wife and my, my children. And it was a really busy few years. I did that for about a year and a half, and then we moved up there. And eventually, I ended up um, exiting that business and selling and, and starting Capturely. Okay. So a lot in there, a lot of big learnings. You had to be good at a lot of things because you were doing it all. So you learned how important the team is. And, and that experience really taught you to put people over everything, which is something I know that's really important to you. Yeah, it, it is really important to me. You know, the other the other pivotal moment that really led me to where I'm at today is when I was in that business, we got sued. We were the defendants of a, uh, a massive class action, multi-million dollar lawsuit due to some marketing practices. Um, and so I had, I'd hired a professional firm to outsource some marketing to, and they did it in a way that potentially violated some TPCA law. Where there were supposed to be, you know, three opt outs on every piece of, of marketing, but they only had put like two out of three. And so a class action attorney out of St. Louis got a hold of this and um, uh, they, they went after us hard. Um, it forced us to expend a lot of resources. They also ended up like a year later personally going after us. And so then I had to personally spend a lot of resources and, and so did my partner to try to defend us from this. And, but what was really interesting about it, Andrea, is that I was in a very, very, very bad business partnership. I was in a very toxic partnership. You know, when they say, oh, don't go into business with your friends. Well, I, I, I was one of those cliche, like, oh, no, everything will be fine. 
And, and so I was very upset, very upset, many sleepless nights with this lawsuit. And I was worried about it because it was in my hands. I was in control. Like I'm the guy steering the car. But what happened from it was absolutely beautiful because it made me trust God. It made me go to church because I literally couldn't control it. I lost control when I thought I always had control. And yes, I've been in lawsuits before and my wife's an attorney. So it's, but this was, this one was particularly, but what it was, was it gave me the ability to exit a relationship that if it didn't happen, I don't know, like it would, it it would have cost me probably the same, but probably even more. And it would have been a lot longer to get through that process. And so kind of looking back, I'm able to look at that moment when we'll say shit happens and, and go, yeah, but it's okay. Like shit does happen, but it can be used for a greater good. You just have to know who you're trusting. And so it, it really like forced me to continue. And, and I think God does that on a, seems like on a, on a, uh, on a regular basis. I know with all of us with COVID, right. It, it, it forces us to be out of control and it makes us go, how are we going to trust? And if, if we don't, you know, if, if we trust him, then we have to trust in ourselves. And then I, I see that's when a lot of people can, you know, it can, you can spiral out of control very quickly, um, you know, to other ways to try to, you know, have that peace of mind. Yeah. So it sounds like you now, I mean, because the all three of these pivotal moments, you know, while the starting your own business, there were a lot of positives there, no doubt, a lot of challenges as well. So all three of your pivotal moments really have prepared you, have given you faith, given you a sense of trust. How do you see that playing out now when you're faced with challenges? I mean, do you intentionally like, re- like recall these challenges and how you led through them or what does that look like for you? Yeah. So the first thing that I do now when something happens that, you know, it, it, like, for example, that we all have like experienced as a group with like COVID, like your business is sh- like shutting down essentially, is I, I started to just look at it like, all right, we got another challenge. Let's go after it. And one of my, my wife's business partners in her law firm, you know, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, we just got four Wabash interns and they're going to come here this summer and they're going to help us, you know, retool this uh, activity from a sales and marketing perspective. And I have these folks out there and they're going to work on contingency and they're going to do it like this. And I'm going through all this. And he's like looking at me in the middle of the pandemic. And he says, you're literally the CEO of holy shit. Like, it's like, it's like your faith that gets you through this. And he goes, I never doubt, like when I come into your office and we actually, our businesses are right across the street from each other. He's like, you're always, no matter what's happening, he goes, you're always trying to, you know, trying to make something happen. And, and it, it, it kind of forces me to, to take, um, there was a story that I, w- I learned when I first started sales. And I first cut my teeth working for my father in sales, the sales department. I was a salesperson. And one of my mentors, uh, an old encyclopedia Britannica salesperson, so they knew how to cold call, is he said, hey, you know, I would get really mad when people like wouldn't take my calls or wouldn't talk to me or didn't really give me the, the, the attention that I thought what I was speaking about deserved. And he said, I want to tell you a story about these two twin brothers. And one of them we're going to put him in a room full of candy and all this wonderful things. And the other one, we're going to put him in a horse stall. And at the end of the day, 
you went into the brother that was in a room full of candy and all these wonderful things. And, and, you know, the, the person asked the, the, the child, Hey, are you happy? And, and it's like, no, I'm not happy. And it's like, what about those toys? I didn't play with them. Well, candy, I didn't eat it. I didn't like it. And then you go into the, the room with the, the kid that you put into the horse stall and that kid has, you know, horse crap all over the place. And you're like, what are you doing? And the, and he's like, I'm finding the pony. I'm looking for it. It's in here somewhere. <laughs> There's tons of this stuff. And so like that, like that makes me, you know, try to look at every situation is, is kind of what you make out of it, wherever you're at. And are, you know, are we finding the pony? Does that come naturally for you now because of these experiences? Not always. No. I would say like, Andrea, to be honest with you, my routine, when I get out of my routine, my thoughts can be very negative. So my routine is I get up in the morning and the first thing um, I like to do and I get up early is open up my Bible app and like just do some reading for like 10 or 15 minutes. And what it does is it helps to recenter like me. And so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll watch if I miss church on Sunday right now, it's online. Um, maybe I'll rewatch church or something like that. Or, but if I don't like start my day with that, um, and, 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 and just like exercise, I'm just as guilty as anybody, right? It's like, Oh, you know, I haven't really worked out for a few weeks, right? I, I can go periods of time where I don't do that. Um, and I just get up and I make coffee and, I, you know, uh, start to look at email or start to look at, at, at what's coming for the day. I, I read the news. So if I'm like, oh, I'm going to skip Bible, I'm going to go straight to the news. It just, it puts everything in a different motion. It just sets the chain of events differently. It puts me in a mindset of, oh, I'm back in power. Or I can influence. And, but when I, when you, when I kind of humble myself every day for a few minutes, it just helps me to, to walk a little softer and, to be able to, you know, be a little bit more sensitive to myself. So to be honest with you, I would say, unfortunately, I would love to say, yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm always optimistic. I'm always cheery, but exercise plays a huge role. And, 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 and I think in mental, pro- in, in mental health and in productivity, um, actually, I know that it does. <laughs> and obviously there's lots of studies that, that show that it does, but also, um, but, but, but as important is getting into the word first thing in the morning. Um, is what sets me off on the right trajectory, for sure, 100%. I love that. Well, yeah, how you start your day determines your day. So I hear I hear a lot of discipline in that. That you, And great, great awareness, too, that when you get out of your routine, your thoughts are a bit different. You're off. There's a bit of negativity there. So in the awareness of that, you've put this rhythm in place. It's funny, but how I know is based on how I sleep. Because what happens is, my most susceptible time is in the evening. So that's when the bad thoughts creep in the what ifs, what if this, and what if that, and what if this, and what if that, and all these things are going to go wrong. And, you know, you lay there and it's the what ifs at night. And when I'm not sleeping good, it's because it's because of the what ifs. And that, and that literally is my diagnosis to say, Hey, you're really not like putting your faith where it needs to go. So that's how, and and then I can always go, yeah, you know, I haven't really, I've just been getting up and watching the news and, and doing my, thing and making coffee, not I haven't been sitting down and reading my app or going through like a, uh, a daily Bible reading like I should. Well, and I, lo- I love your words, humbling myself for a few minutes. That, that really resonates that just taking the time to like turn it off. And it's not about me getting my news, my coffee, what I need, you know, just sitting in silence. 
or taking in your Bible app like you do, like what, whatever it is that fills you up, that humbling myself, that's good language. Thanks. I get humbled often. <laughs> well, don't, don't we all, right? We are all works in progress. Well, you, you have shared three pivotal moments with us today, and it's interesting to see the connection and to see how each of those has really contributed to who you are as a leader. So as we start to close, a, a question I always like to ask is if you could go back to early in your career and give yourself any piece of leadership advice, what would it be? The earliest piece of advice would be to not care as much about what other people think and to follow, you know, follow your heart and put your identity where it matters. And I think that would have been the best advice I could give myself. If I could go back and, and talk to myself for two or three minutes and, and then suddenly be gone, I would say, you know, trust yourself and don't worry about what other people think and do the best you can. Isn't that good? Trust yourself. And I like I put your identity where it matters. Yeah. Are you focused on the right things? I mean, that's one of the big things you got from your mom that you talked about. Yeah. I, I think if I was to like, if, if, somebody wanted to take an action item away from this podcast, I would, I would just say you need to have the be, do, have mentality. Um, and it starts with, you know, who you are and it goes to then what you do. And then that's a result of what you have, whether it's relationships, whatever that have is for you. Have can be relationships. It can be money. It can be, you know, a, a, a relationship, you know, tighter spiritual connection, but it really, I think life works in that order. And so I try to remind myself of be, do, have. And I think a lot of times, especially in my career, I get into the, the do, have, do, have, do, have. Like I'm going to do stuff and then I'm going to have this. And it really, it, really need, it really starts with who you are. Sure does. So it's like you've got to take time to do that work and to get connected to who that is. And it's, it's not and, – and, and then the last piece I would say is like I think, I think for anybody, I mean in, – in, and I'm generalizing here, but you know, that, that, that work is an, we're all ongoing works of progress. I mean, it's, you know, I guess some people out there, maybe they just, they are just yoked perfectly and, and they got it all figured out. But I just think it's, it, it's all about like the repetition of it, because again, I can, I can really have long stretches where I'm like, I'm, I'm really doing it right. And I can, I'm experiencing it in my life. And then again, you get out of that routine and then it just starts to go back to the, the the old way. So to me, it really is five minutes a day of Bible reading is is more impactful than five hours once a quarter. So I, I think like that that's like again, that's the the biggest takeaway from that I would give. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for those insights. Thanks for sharing your story. If our listeners want to connect with you, Rob, what's the best way to do that? You can certainly look me up on LinkedIn, Rob Eiler. I don't think there's too many of us running around. Um, or you're welcome to, if, if you're interested in more about what we're doing right now at Capturely, uh, love for you to visit our ca uh, website. It's Capturely.com, Capture.ly, or uh, Capture with an L-Y and then .com. So we're pretty easy to, to find. Thanks for being here today. All right. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.